0: Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Tuesday, January 24th, 2006. Well, welcome back to Manager Tools. Uh, before I start, we apologize ahead of time. Uh, I'm traveling this weekend. I don't have my normal microphone and equipment, so I apologize ahead of time for the poor audio. Seems like uh, we've established a trend of that here lately. We'll try to fix that going forward. Um, Today, Mark Korsman and I are going to talk about managing upwards. Now, we had intended to cover this back in December during our sessions on writing reviews, but as it turned out, while we barely scratched the surface on how to do reviews, it nevertheless took us four, four podcasts, so We didn't want to delay getting those uh, cast out. We didn't want to delay those casts, obviously, in light of their time sensitivity. So we delayed this topic until now. Now managing upwards for the most part boils down to creating a good relationship with your boss. There's a lot to be said about politics and organizations and whom you should know and whom you should stay in touch with. We found that those topics don't lend themselves easily to a simple cast if you want to give you actionable guidance. That is, after all, what we're all about. So... We're going to focus on some things you can do that will improve your relationship with your boss and a topic that most people think of as managing your boss. So, here we go. Hey, you told me one time about um, a story. Um, I guess it happened a while ago that with uh, a senior exec that you knew um, of some multi-billion dollar service company that had lost her job that well, I think was pretty instructive or um, would help people understand the yeah. importance of... I communicating think it's.
1: You're right. I think it's a good good way to start this cast. And it, you know, it's it, it really is very illustrative about executive life, but it, it is also very helpful in general. Um, a friend of mine, an executive vice president of a very big, you know, multi-billion dollar company, uh, had lost her job, and because I used to be a recruiter, and many people know me for that, and they know that I'm a coach and an executive coach now, they call me and say, "Oh my gosh, what do I do?" And and for many of them, they haven't been bloodied by the workplace, and so they're. A little bit at sea um, but for those of you who are just managers or uh, aspiring managers to give you an idea of how different life is for senior execs um, she she essentially was told you're done um not in those exact words, but certainly not you're fired or you're laid off or anything and uh she didn't have to go to the office for a couple of months uh she technically had not been fired, but it had been made clear that she wasn't employed anymore and she stayed home for two and a half months and and she got uh paid the entire time and then when they paid her performance compensation that she would have gotten had she been employed uh without any black marks if you will um, then they essentially asked her to resign and so she resigned now now here's the way it happened here here's the way it went down mike and this is this is not uncommon i mean when you hear about executives choosing to pursue different alternatives different a- options for themselves that's often how it happens people they rarely get fired for cause but she had been at this company for 21 years she'd worked essentially in the back office and in, in uh processing operations, she had a record that was so impressive, uh, if you didn't like her, you, you'd want her to have a great record, record this good. I mean, it was like future CEO of, of a Fortune 100 company. Um, home run after home run, tough environments, and then as well, she was just loved. I mean, she had a large following. Everybody who worked for her loved working for her. She was a great boss, really cared about her people, defended her people, got her people, promoted the whole deal, had big barbecues at her house, and more and more people came along, and finally she threw it open for everybody, and thousands of people would come. Totally successful. Well, they asked her, because she had done so well for so long, to take a special assignment to go fix the financial organization of the company. Um, basically, the CEO took her aside and said, look, you're a superstar and we've got problems over in finance. Um, go fix it. You're going to report to the CFO, but the CEO gave her a mandate to make it happen. And 30 days afterwards, she got fired. And I mean, hundreds of managers called me in the emails I got. They were just devastated. I mean, she was future CEO material and everybody wanted her to do well. It was like... You know, the triumph of good over evil. Um, and people were asking me what happened. Well, of course, I couldn't share specifics, but I can tell you exactly what happened. She thought that because the CEO had sent her over, she could actually make things happen and fix things. But she did not know. She was, she, regardless of who, what the CEO asked you to do, you report to who you report to. And she reported to the CFO and she did not know or understand or appreciate the CFO's position. When she she suggested to the CFO that a big reorg needed to be done, which exactly needed to be done, no question about it, The 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 CFO, who is politically minded and quite nervous, thinking, my gosh, this person may be in to take my job, walked into the CEO's office and says, I'm laying on my chips on the table. This lady's power hungry, and she's backstabbing, and she's too young to be in this role that you've put her in, and then basically put some things together that weren't completely true, but they weren't false either. And the CEO bought into it, called her in, CEO called her in and said, hey, there's not room for people like you in our company. We've just now shined a spotlight on you. We realize that you haven't been as successful as you thought. Goodbye. And that was it. Um, The manager, she did exactly the right thing. And she was fired because she didn't understand her boss and his situation. She didn't know what he wanted. She didn't know how he wanted it. Didn't know when he wanted it or who else he needed to please, which was critical. So, I mean look, you can do the exact right thing and be punished for it. You know, no, Let no good deed go unpunished. And I would argue even that me saying she did the right thing is is in a way wrong because it's not right if you do something that makes sense to you, but your boss can't stomach. That means you haven't done your homework in advance, you're not politically prepared, and you're setting yourself up for failure, which is exactly what happened. Oh, of course she landed on her feet, but that's not the point.
0: And yeah, you um, find a lot of managers having... Difficulty with this particular concept that it, it matters how you do things and how you communicate. I, I know a lot of people who think, well, this is the right thing and the organization should understand If And if they don't, well, then some expletive.
1: Yeah, you know, it, what's funny about that, Mike, is I don't have any problem with people thinking that way. I really don't. I mean, sure, there have been times where I said, look, this is the right thing to do, take your best shot at me, but I'm going to stand firm in my ground. But look, but what bothers me about that is when they say, "I believe this is the right thing to do, and I'm prepared to accept the consequences," then they want to whine and complain when the consequences hit them square in the face. Look, if you want to do the right thing and you know it's politically untenable or unacceptable, you either better embrace the politics and do something about it and have some air cover from the right people, or simply respect the fact that you've ticked the organization off, and if you thumb your nose at the face of the organization, the organization can thumb its nose back at you. And the way they're going to do that is by messing with your addiction to food, clothing, and shelter, and you'll be out of a job. And the organization won't miss you. Some people in the organization will. I'm not suggesting it's right. It may not be the ideal thing that the company does it. But if you're going to say, hey, to heck with you, company. I'm going to do the right thing. Well, okay. Then you, the fact that you're willing to say that means you recognize that the right thing may be politically unpalatable, and you may be consequences. Well, if you're going to thumb your nose at consequences, be prepared to have consequences shoved down your throat. And there is not an organization. I don't care. Church, nonprofit, anywhere. My dad used to tell me the definition of conflict is two human beings in the same county. You put a bunch of people in a building, there's going to be conflict. And sometimes the conflict worked, works against you. So this cast is really about understanding how to have a great relationship with your boss so that these kind of political issues are significantly reduced. The chances of these kind of problems are significantly reduced. So your good ideas will get used rather than shoved down your, right back down your throat.
0: Good. Well... We think in our model, we think there there are five things that are important relative to relationships with your boss. One yep. is the boss goals. Right. What, what are the communi- goals, right? Yeah, boss communications. Com- yeah, how she, how does he or she communicate, right? The boss schedule slash time management.
1: Yeah, I, you know, th- this is one where people miss, but everybody's got their own form of time management. But if it's different than your boss's, you ought to know that.
0: Yeah, okay, the boss work style. They have different ones.
1: Yeah, different, you know, that's that's kind of a big word, but essentially what we're talking about there is how they interact with you when it comes to the actual details of the work.
0: Yeah, and then uh, boss relationships.
1: Yeah, you know, if you're going to have a good relationship with your boss, your boss is part of a network of people, and so you need to know outside of his or her boss, who, which other or managers, leaders, executives, and so on in the organization, your boss has relationships with, so you don't step on any toes that may come back to
0: haunt you. Right. Now, these things, uh, unlike a lot of the tools that we've um, talked about here, this is, this is not a list or a sequence of actions that one is necessarily going to take when thinking about the relationship with your boss. But these are probably in the order in which we ask people to think about them. Right. Um, and, and they'll come back to them over and over again. But this is not a, um, a five-step process. These are really right. five things to think about when just thinking about your relationship with your boss.
1: Yeah, on day 1, even though we're not suggesting that you can only do this if you've just started a job, you can do it tomorrow if you like, folks. But on day 1, you might learn something about boss relationships that's valuable. Um and in fact, you know, however it is you take notes, I would just put a little uh, a category, you know, if you have a if you have a a Trio 650 like Mike and I do, you just put a note in there with these titles in it, and when you come up with something, write it down in one of those areas, use the keypad or or the stylus or whatever and and uh uh, make a note of it, or write it in a, in a in a small little spiral binder, or your your day timer, or what have you. Um, capture those things. Now we're going to suggest to you the right questions you should be asking and what to look for, and we're just suggesting that you capture that data. And I can't imagine there's a person on who's who's going to be listening that's not smart enough to draw some conclusions about the data we're going to ask you
0: to collect. All right. Okay. So let's get right into it. We think the the single most important thing should know about your boss is your boss's goals right yes you
1: know it's funny about that. everybody wants to know how does the boss want to work with me and they talk about communications and schedule and so on and that 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 completely misses the point. The reason you want to know about your boss is you you want to find out what you you know what, what your boss's goals are for you. Well, let me assure you folks, your boss has goals, even if you report to the c e o the c e o has goals given to her by the board um and I have seen too many people, they only know their boss's goals as it relates to their area. And I'll never forget, there's a, there's a manager I know at a fairly large insurance company on the East Coast, and he was responsible for claims um, and then quality. And the quality people couldn't understand why their boss didn't spend more time with them. Well, there were 20 quality people and about 80 claims people, and they knew what their boss required of them, but they didn't know what their boss, what their boss's boss required of him. He's a great guy, but essentially he had to spend a lot of time in another area because that was part of what his job was. Um, and if you go to your boss regularly, acting as if anything you want, you should be able to get without a sensitivity to the other goals and the rhythm for when those goals are important to him, because if it's financial, then obviously the end of the year and the end of the month are rough times for him or her, if you're insensitive to that, you'll get less of what you want, and that's part of boss relationships, so you must know what is it my boss is responsible for, and now look, if you already have a good relationship with your boss, it's real easy, and your next one-on-one, go in and sit down and say, one of the things I'd like to talk about is what your goals are. Do you have a goal document from your boss? Can I see it? Can you tell me what what how much time you spend on these things so I can know how the goals that relate to what I do for you relate to the other people's goals who work for you? That's a great question. Um, and uh, the more you do it, the more you're going to be perceived as politically savvy, as aware of his needs, and so on.
0: Now, before you go on, let me ask you a, a question sure. though because in my experience a, a lot of folks make um, the mistake of thinking that their boss expects them to champion those goals and objectives for which they are responsible, which is true, but some managers, I think make the the mistake of thinking that they should think solely about those objectives that they would normally champion, and uh, they don't get the balance that you're you're talking about
1: yeah I think what it is, Mike is we're all pretty myopic and uh regardless of what we think how much we think the culture is to blame um we spend a lot of time thinking about ourselves um and not as much thinking about other people and you and I both know the value of the statement if you want to get more of what you want out of life, help other people get more of what they want um so yeah, if you start understanding what your boss is responsible for, it's much easier to see how you fit in, and the more you know about how your goals fit into your boss's goals, the more leverage you have in figuring out how to achieve them. So the first question you ask your boss is, what is it, boss, are you responsible to your boss for? In other words, Mike, if you're my boss and you report to Wes, I'm going to say, hey, Mike, uh, you know, for me to do well for you, I'd like to know what it is Wes, your boss, asks of you. And the, the question I always ask first is the financial one. What are your revenue, cost, and profitability goals or requirements? Now, it may be that you're so far removed from that, it's hard to talk about revenue and profitability, but there are always going to be cost responsibilities. Okay, And in, in case you're wondering about that, it, it, for most managers, the next question is, what metrics do they use to measure you and by extension, what are the, what metrics do, do you get to, to help measure me and my team in terms of supporting you? And unfortunately, most organizations bombard managers with all kinds of reports and may not spend enough time talking about these are the two or three that are important. In fact, I'll never forget being in a meeting where that we, we had financial analysis going on and, um, sort of what if calculations. And there were like eight things they were measuring. Well, Part of the value of measuring the eight things is they knew that some things were related inversely to one another, and they didn't want to go off half-cocked getting one to 100% while driving the other one off the, off the cliff. I mean, you can get high productivity and, and increase your turnover enormously, but you don't want to do that. Productivity only lasts a short while. And they would do these what-ifs, and they would get frustrated because every time they'd touch one number, the other number would go go south. And they said, gosh, we'd kind of like all of them to go up at the same time. And a guy I was working with at the time said, yeah. (laughs) He just, he just said, yeah. (laughs) As if they could magically do it with a spreadsheet projected on a, on a wall chart in a, in a meeting room with about 15 people standing around working on their blackberries. Um, so, so first you ask about revenue, cost and profitability. That's first. Don't ask about people first. Ask about financials. Then you ask about metrics. The next question is, hey, boss, which of those is most important to you? I mean, you're, you're talking about seven different things. Which are the one or two that really make a difference to you? A lot of times it's helpful to ask this. It, you may not get a positive answer, but it doesn't hurt to ask. What does your boss, again, uh, your boss's boss, hey, boss, what, is your, what does the big cheese ask that is above and beyond or different from what the organization wants? And then ask about budget. What are your budget responsibilities? and and that goes into uh, you know when and how do you create your budget how long does it take you know i'm amazed at the number of managers who haven't seen their boss's budget maybe he has to scrub out salaries or something like that uh and then another thing which is something you and i are always alluding to that really is powerful and we're going to do a couple of podcasts on it what reporting are you required to do on your budget and when do you have to do it i'm amazed at the number of people who get a report on a budget in in Jan, at the end of january and every, and then the boss rolls out some information saying we've got to tighten up and 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 I hear people on February fifteenth saying well what can we do this month last month is already over we were over last month but there's nothing we can do about last month this month and you just want to tell him, well no he's not asking you to change last month he's asking you to be aware of what you did last month and be more careful this month well I just feel like he's beating me over the head well okay <laughs> sorry <laughs> you know if you if you have the ability to measure things. Not that you should measure everything. Don't measure when people's tails leave the seat in the afternoon. But if you have the ability to measure something, and it's going to be something that you're going to use as a potential guidance factor, you ought to measure it, and you ought to have a track record of it so you can know how, it, how what your activity how your activity affects it. Okay. Clearly, we want to focus on financials. That's important. We're going to do that first. Um, if you if you want to get in trouble, ignore financials. Um, And and by the way, folks, this doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a money-grubbing person. The fact is the primary yardstick, the primary report card of corporations is monetary. And if you want your salary to continue to be deposited on time, then you ought to be willing to have some consideration around financial metrics. Okay. Now, uh, we started with financials, but generally we think, w- when you think about broad ways to look at an organization, you think about financial, st- financial issues, operational issues, and people issues. And so, we've just gone into financials, and we, we've talked briefly about goals and responsibilities. We want to do the same thing now for people and operational questions. Um, we find though, Mike, that, that these tend to be more company and industry dependent. Uh, they're not as easily picked, uh, um, It's not as easy to talk about them for every possible company. Um, However, bosses tend to be pretty open about them, about what they're, you know, how they operate, what are the key metrics they look for in terms of people and operational issues. Um, And and for those who are listening who are like, gee, I don't know, you know, what will my boss think about this? I've seen plenty of bosses that are just so pleased that there's some sensitivity to their world, they'll lay out everything in spreadsheets and charts and everything else, say, hey, let me show you where we're going and what's going on and so on. And the more information you can share with your folks, and if you like it, you ought to tell your boss, hey, would you be willing to come and brief the team on this? Oh, they might they might pause and go, oh, there may be some stuff I wouldn't want to share a level down with you. But if you can scrub it out and have him give the presentation or her give the presentation rather than you so you can lead your team in asking questions, that's a very powerful
0: yeah. way of uh, And I don't know many up. managers, executives who wouldn't do that. that. Most would be very pleased, in fact, to be invited to do such.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I guess sometimes we travel in different circles, because I know a lot who would not. I, hmm. I, I wish I could say, you know, and there are ones that need coaching, obviously. Hmm. Um, That's too bad. Smart ones don't. Smart ones are like, sure, hey, if, if you know what I'm being managed on, it'll be easier for me to bark at you at the end of the year when you don't help me achieve them.
0: Um, or to pat you on the back when you do what I need you to do. I need to introduce you to more of uh, the people I work with then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hanging out with the wrong people, dude. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, Okay, once you've asked about the goals and responsibilities in the financial, operational, and people area, the next question, and it can be intermingled throughout, um, what's my role in helping you achieve that? So as you're getting into the financial stuff, say, well, okay, what are the things that my team does or doesn't do that will have the biggest impact on that? This is actually where you get a lot of interesting discussion, and oftentimes people say, well, I don't really know. We think it's this. Um, but the more you can measure, the better off you, you're you're going to be. I think 2006 is going to be my year of measurement. They're going to hear me say that so often, Mike.
0: Um, well, you know I like that, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, now... Um. Okay. So, so we've given you some questions to think about, to essentially ask your boss. And I want to, I want to hit the $64,000 manager tools question, which is okay, Mark. Okay, Mike. What do I do? Do I just walk in and start firing away with questions? And the answer to that is no, no, <laughs> not exactly. Not if you want to be thought of as politically intelligent. Yeah. no, um,
0: just, just walk in and pound on their desk. If you pound yeah, on their desk, it's okay.
1: Yeah. Pounding on the desk is. I found a time-honored tradition. followed by another time on a tradition. What is is that old phrase? There's there's a joke, a single uh, one-liner that goes, oh, um, tell your boss the truth, and the truth shall set you free. (laughs) (laughs) There you Um, go. Okay, Um, so uh, what do you do? Well, look, um, regardless of what time of year it is, um, how long you've worked with your boss, these first questions around goals justify a separate meeting uh, with, or multiple meetings with your boss to learn the answers. So send an email, pick up the phone, go by his or her office, schedule a meeting with him or her, email the questions in advance and ask for as much detail as you can. Look, send them a word document with some, t- with some, uh, open spots so they can handwrite write it or they can, they can scribble their notes or they can type it in for you. Um, one of the things I found very effective, I learned from a manager, is when I told him that I wanted him to do this, he said, well, that's great. I'm really looking forward to it. I've always felt like I didn't understand part of his role. He always seems to be gone, and I don't really know what he's doing. Uh, <laughs> and, and this was a good boss. He was actually working very hard in another area. Um, if you've worked for somebody for a while, one of the great ways to address the fact that you may know some of this stuff is to send both the questions and those answers, which you know in advance, already filled in. So you put the question in there, you've put in your answer, and then you say to them, look, I've put in what I think or what I know. I'd like you to add to it, or if I'm off, I'd like you to correct me there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, having them written out will allow right. him or her to add or change or delete without having to you know, write the Magna Carta again. Right. Okay. Well,
0: it's kind of um, like active listening, too. It's,
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Um, and it tells them that you've been paying attention. Um, if you're wondering how to preface these questions and you know, you just say, hey, I have a series of questions I want to ask you, sit down and shut up while I ask you and feel like you're being interviewed, uh, if it's if going to make you feel weird or stupid, um, here's what I tell my clients. I, I say, tell your boss, I'm doing an annual reassessment of my roles and goals, and I want to include your guidance. Another way you can say it is my professional development this year is around being effective, and that means focusing on what's important, and obviously what's important to you is going to be important to me. I'd like to get your guidance on the key goals and responsibilities you have in these three areas. Now, maybe one of, one of you out there is listening and says, uh, gosh, you know, we don't think of it in terms of people, operations, and finance. We think it in terms of finance and people. Those are the only two. Fine. Don't get wrapped around the axle that we chose those three broad areas to break it down. You may have five areas that your company uses routinely in terms of key metrics. That's fine as well. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to set up a meeting. You're going to email the questions in advance with answers that you think you already know, and then you're going to take great notes in the meeting. If you think you're going to run over on the time, bail out. Ask for more time later. I tell you, the people who say, I only need 15 minutes, and then end up taking 45, and wonder why their boss is always hesitant to give them time, always amazes me. It's like, okay, you want to step on your boss's time, guess what? When he has a chance, he's going to step back.
0: Yeah, and, and they're interested in in being open and being accessible to you, so the fact that they really don't have the time, that's, you know, a lot of bosses will tell you, just get out, but a lot, they'll they'll bear with it for a while, and, right. and uh, you'll never know that you really inconvenienced them, so.
1: Yeah. In fact, I think what bosses say, I don't know about you, Mike, but my approach to that has always been, I'm in pain all day as a manager because there's something not getting done. Essentially, what I do in the course of my day is allocate my pain. And if I have a subordinate coming in to talk to me, that's the last place I want to allocate my pain. Unfortunately, what that means is if we take an extra 30 minutes, that pain is going to be transferred to my family or to a meeting with somebody else that makes our whole team look bad or makes me late with a report that makes somebody else look bad. Um, And the pain comes out of my hide as a manager. So don't make your boss allocate pain somewhere else just because, wow, I'm in his office and I'm talking to him, and so now I can sit and talk as long as I want. Right. Um, And I generally recommend that if you're a manager and you don't know this about your boss, you ought to know it within 30 days, regardless of whether you're new or you've known the boss for years. Okay. So, that, so that's it for, for boss goals. And and look, if, if the first time you only get half of them, that's fine. You're going to ask again in six months or a year, touching and base, and say, hey, look, I've noticed this and that and the other thing. I'm wondering if maybe I'm off base. I'd like to revisit the goals thing. And I found that a good way to do that is when you're getting your quarterly and semiannual reviews, and we'll talk more about that later.
0: Okay? The next one on our list is boss communications, and by that we mean the, your boss's communication style, right?
1: Yeah. And you know what? I want, I want to make a point here about communications. It's not sort of unrelated, but I think it's important. We, we talk about, we want to be clear, this is not a show about managing your boss. I would love for one of you to work for me and to mistakenly believe that you get to manage me. Um, That's is not going to happen, and most bosses generally wouldn't let people do that. I'm I'm very much a team player. Mike can tell you I'm very comfortable saying, okay, you decide. It's not, not critical for me. Go ahead, do what you think is best, and I'll support you. Um, but But we want to make a distinction between managing your boss and creating an effective relationship with your boss. Okay. This is I don't think of this as managing up exactly. I think of it as creating an effective relationship with your boss because of all the people that work or were with you and around you and beneath you, however you want to talk about it, the single most important relationship you have is with your boss, no question about it. And and you know what's funny about communications is it's so easily missed and I think it's because Communication is just what we do all day. It's not what we're paid for. It's not really written up in specific ways. There aren't processes and systems as a way to measure it. Um, But the thing is, Mike, is it's got huge implications in every other area. If you're a poor communicator or if your boss is a poor communicator, that will negatively impact every other area that you work in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the sooner you pay attention to your boss's communication style, the sooner you'll be able to adapt your style to her. Um, and I love this. I've been reading a lot of Peter Drucker lately. Um, Eldon Schaefer, one of our listeners, uh, had the Daily Drucker on his uh, on his desk, and it reminded me that I had intended to get it, and I had read a few pages in the bookstore, got it, and it's on my desk right now. And um, One of the things that Peter Drucker says is, is a very clever way of thinking about communications. He says, in all of his years of working with managers, Drucker's discovered that managers or executives, knowledge workers, tend to learn, and that means take in new information. With a preference toward one of two ways: either they're a listener, or they're a reader. Now, you you don't you don't need to know anything more than that. I mean, just ask yourself: Do I see this person as a listener or a reader? And and you'll be able to figure it out pretty quickly. Um, And he says, "Look, that that knowledge is worthless unless you know what to do with it. And the way to do with it is: Look, if she's a listener, brief her verbally first, and then follow up with a report." And if he's a reader, give him the report first or give him a memo first and then follow up with a face-to-face briefing. See, to me, that's what makes Peter Drucker smarter than everybody, me and everybody else who's listening to this podcast. You don't have to know anything more than that for the vast majority of our listeners to become immediately more effective with their boss. It's simple, but powerful.
0: One of the most frustrating, not, not the one I was most angry about, but one of the most frustrating experiences I've ever had as a manager where... I had a subordinate of mine. This was Mm must have been 15 years ago. Instead of thinking about what my communication style was, he forced me into his. I'd rather read it than be told, but he he didn't want to write it. He he literally forced me to sit in a two and a half hour discussion about a particular topic. (laughs) And I can, I tell you, I bad as bad as it sounds, I made a decision right then and there that. He would not be. Yes, yeah, you know. You know what that
1: people. reminds me of, Mike. I people give me a hard time about this when I'm in client areas, and I say you want to be very careful about choosing a personal preference over what the organization requires of you. But essentially, what he did was he indulged a personal preference over what was best for the organization. You know, he wasted a couple hours of your time.
0: And, and you know, so people don't think I'm evil. I I literally asked him several times if he could write it up for me, and he continued to drive on in the the method in which he chose.
1: Insensivity is not really an effective managerial technique.
0: The interesting part of that story, though, is it was only subsequent to that conversation that I understood what had given me so much angst. I mean, why it was so difficult for me to sit in that discussion wasn't immediately apparent. I just walked away with an incredibly negative feeling. And you didn't really know where it was from, but you knew how you felt. It was... I didn't know where it was from. It was much later, I mean months later, before I finally, before yeah. I figured out, you know, what thoughtful.
1: It's You, you right. know, if people ask you, to, you know, our, we, we take our communication styles for granted. Uh, if I asked you, pay attention when you walk, how your arms swing, the first few times you walked, your arms would be all weird. So thinking about how you communicate is awkward for us. We just want to communicate. It's habitual. Um, but if your habits are different than your boss's you're, and you're not willing to change, <laughs> tell your boss the truth and the truth shall set you free. <laughs> so here are some questions to look for clues to. Okay? And, and again, these are questions that I would write down. I would put in my, in my Palm Trio or in my, my BlackBerry and I would make notes to them um, as I got da- data on them. Does he prefer voicemail or email? And by the way, you can just ask that. Um, do you get individual emails from him about work that he could have just, just soon asked you about? I mean, I I have a couple of people that I worked for, I would be sitting at a desk in a client location and they knew that I was logged into this one particular thing and it was five feet from me and I would get emails. Hey, real quick, you want to go to lunch? Hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? I'm like, why? Just poke your head up like a prairie dog and ask me, um, you know, do you get long voicemails at night or on the weekends? Are they voicemails rather than emails? You know, what, what, what does this person choose to share in person? Um, it, does he tend to communicate certain things by certain channels? In other words, personnel issues in person, um, project information by email, so there's documentation, uh, maybe announcements uh, to the whole team go out by email. Um, if it's an operational issue, maybe he does it in meetings. Pay attention to the theme of those things. Uh, it happens. Some, some managers communicate that way and it's confusing unless you know how to think about it. Um, another good one when it comes to communications, a lot of people miss, how does she run meetings? You know, are the, are the agendas tight and professionally done? If that's so, then there's probably more advanced work for you to be ready for that meeting. You don't want to go in sloppy and think you're going to have a 15 minutes to ramble around if your boss is taking the time to put together a tight agenda. What kind of sharing does she do when meetings, when, when she comes out of meetings? Um, most managers are really bad at this, folks. If you're going to meetings with your boss and you're not coming out of those meetings and say, look, I just went to a meeting. Here's who was here. here. Here's what the PowerPoints were, and here's what I learned, and here's what I think it means for us, going back to managerial communications. If you're not doing that, you're letting your team down. The more they know, the better. Um, when it comes to face-to-face, three things to look for, verbal Vocal and visual clues. Verbally, does he tend to ask questions or make statements? That's a very helpful one. Um, for instance, would he say, take a seat? Or would he say, would you like to sit down? Does he tend to talk first? Or talk over you? Or talk a lot? Or does he tend to listen first and tend to wait until he's certain you're done before he talks?
0: Well, what does that mean, though, if we, once you determine that? Are you... Suggesting that um should you mirror the person in terms of their style? So for example if they are if they ask questions like for example the example of of whether or not you'd like to take a seat, would you suggest then that the subordinate use no. the same style um, communication? No with in fact boss?
1: um most people are not um adept enough at interpersonal communications to mimic or mirror their boss and it'll irritate her and make you look foolish. On the other hand, knowing where you're different and moderating your differences, Mike, will make you enormously more effective. Um, You know, I I hate to to say it, but there are people who will describe me as fairly quiet and reserved, but very effective, because I've learned that that client is fairly quiet and reserved, and my normal arm-waving, excited, veins-bulging-on-the-side-of-my-neck delivery is not effective. And if my idea would work, but the communication of it poisons the message, poisons the content, in other words, the process of delivering it poisons the content of the message, then my, my ideas don't get used and I'm not effective. Um, so, no, you don't mimic. However, moving in the direction that they tend to use will be immediately noticed by the other person, toning it down or or increasing your energy level. I, now, I know some people who say, well, gosh, I really I really feel like that's not being me. And my response to that is, well, sure it is. You're just not willing to admit it. And they say, what do you mean? I say, well, do you act the same way in church that you do on a football field? Well, no, of course not. Why not? Well, because the format's different. Well, okay. Do you talk the same to your spouse as you do to your mom, as you do to your dad, as you do to your kids? No. Oh, okay. So so you're willing to accept that if their role is different, then you'll communicate with them differently. Why wouldn't you then pay attention to how someone's style, what their style is, in order to be more effective? And then I, what I tell the, the MBA students that I speak at all the time, when they're not willing to do, when they're not willing to be energetic, when, in fact, an interview calls for energetic, enthusiastic communication, I tell them, no, you don't have to. You just don't want to be interviewing before me because they'll forget you when I'm done interviewing with them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, no, you don't want to mimic, but moving in the direction and being sensitive to it, very helpful. Um, Okay, um, and, and then as well, vocally, what kind of delivery? is it steady or even, steady and even? or is it varied like mine and Mike's? Mike tends to be more steady and even than I'm. Uh, I tend to be a little bit ballistic at times. Um, is it forceful like me, or is it not? If you can see them giving a speech and inciting people, they're probably somebody who's forceful. And again, that means maybe you need to be a little bit more forceful if you're generally perceived as a little bit quieter. Is, a, is the volume lower than average or is it pretty strong? Is it faster or slower than you? Don't worry about whether they're from New Jersey or Texas or Georgia or whatever. Recognize their speed may be different than you and be sensitive to it. When it comes to visuals, do they have a lot of facial expressions? Do their eyebrows go up and down a lot? Do they smile a lot? What kind of eye contact do they make? If they make a lot of, if they make no eye contact at all, and your eyes are always boring into theirs, you're going to be less effective. You've got to be willing to modify your style to work well with your boss. Um, and by the same token, I happen to believe that it doesn't matter who you're talking to. If it's one of your subordinates, you should be sensitive to that, and you shouldn't try to run roughshod over a subordinate who's quiet and reserved. If they're if they're one of your good performers. Uh, you know, do they make small or big gestures? I often tell people that almost nobody makes no gestures at all, even sitting at a desk. They either make gestures that are above their waistline and inside their shoulders and below their neck, or they make ones that are outside of their body and, and sometimes above their neck or below their waistline. Um, and, and by the way, we're going to come back to this numerous times when we talk about interpersonal communication, how to be more effective in behavioral styles as a way to interview, as a way to manage, and so on. We've got some tools in that regard. Um, so, and again, you'll be enormously more effective if you moderate your differences to reduce the difference between you and your boss. Okay. So I I think we're through two of them, right, Mike? Um. We're through communication, and we're through boss goals, and that really puts us about halfway through in terms of the weighting of the the five areas. So why don't we stop here, and because uh, because we could easily do another half hour easily, and I don't want to push, I don't want to try to rush this and get the last three topics into into twenty minutes or something like that.
0: Yeah, this is very powerful stuff, and I I think if we continued, we'd either have a very long podcast or we'd feel compelled to rush through some yeah. very valuable information. So good, let's wait and we'll do part two next week. That sounds great. Excellent. All right, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. This is good stuff. Yep. All righty. We'll see you next week. You too. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Manager Tools, and hope you'll join us again next time when we get into finishing our podcast on managing the boss. Until then, hope you have a great one, and uh, feel free to to give us some feedback at show at manager-tools.com or on the website, wwwmanager and we'll see y'all again next week. So long.